0: Talk about revolution That's going
1: a little bit too far
0: So love me, love me,
1: love me I'm a liberal I've never read the comics Leo, were you born at the age of 55? I know that there's a dog Charlie Brown wanted to kick a football And Lucy would hold it Except she'd pull it away at the last minute And Charlie Brown would fall on his butt That's funny No, no But each time, Lucy would find a way to convince Charlie Brown that this time, she wouldn't pull the ball away, but she would. And once again, Charlie Brown would fall on his butt. And that's funny? It's satirical. Was it satirizing? The DOD bringing you to the Situation Room every time they run a new missile test so that you can come tell me how great it works, so I'll put money in the NMD system. You should put money in the NMD system. Doesn't work. It will work. One day. Soon. Hello, Peanuts fans, and welcome (laughs) once again to more like The Worst Wing. I'm your first host, Stu.
0: And I'm your second host, Dave.
1: And today we'll be talking about um, the 12th episode of the second season of Aaron Sorkin's seminal TV classic, The West Wing. The title of this episode is The Drop-In. Yes. And that metaphor we just played you through is extremely c-spam yes uh and the president what, what, a, references what a way to drop explicitly. into
0: this episode uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, zing yeah Hi-yo. so you know with you insert your own favorite political enemy for charlie brown here and uh and reality for lucy pulling the football away
1: we're gonna keep trying to kick that football we're gonna so, keep fucking that <laughs> chicken keep fucking that chicken <laughs> oh man so This episode has a lot going on, which Mm -hmm. stands in contrast to the last two episodes that we've talked through, which basically had nothing going on. Yeah, the pacing pacing
0: is a little all over the place in these like three episodes where like really nothing happened. And now all of a sudden a lot happens, not in terms of legislation, but in terms of like plot movement and character development and stuff like that. This is a very uh, active episode in terms of like stuff happening for once.
1: Yeah. So the two central premises at the beginning, I mean, the big central overarching premise is that they are appointing new ambassadors. Yes. Like we are greeting ambassadors to the United States. We start out
0: with Taiwan or or Thailand. Um, No, Thailand. Yes. Yes. And then the next one is Sweden. Uh, And then I won't spoil. We hear about
1: Argentina. Yeah. I won't spoil the final one. Uh, we'll, We'll
0: build to that a little um so but that's like sort of our framing device i guess you would call it because they kind of keep cutting back to it to like establish the pace of the episode
1: yes it's the throughput um kind of like the commonality to establish like the timeline of how things go is the president officially greeting with all the pomp and circumstance um (laughs) these ambassador appointments yes um So also like the cold open that we just played through is in reference to the first kind of big political topic that comes up and runs through this episode is they are talking about what is functionally Star Wars. Correct.
0: Yeah. A big, complicated nuclear missile defense system uh, (laughs) that will be able to shoot down an incoming nuke uh, with a missile of our own, thus, you know, ensuring that no one could possibly nuke America. Uh, And as you've heard from the clip... Uh, it does not work. (laughs) Not even a little.
1: Yeah, the president is not enamored of this concept just kind of fundamentally because he says every time like we get all excited about it, it just doesn't work. And sure enough, in the cold open and like throughout the rest of that kind of scene, we see that the missile defense system has failed. Right. Um, so this is to basically, intercept their little drone.
0: Yes, uh, this is basically a giant military boondoggle. It's basically the equivalent of like the F thirty uh, five, where they've blown like sixty billion dollars on this thing and not come up with a fucking usable result at all. Uh, so it's just a, it's a real great metaphor for like the worthlessness of the military industrial complex, essentially. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And and frankly, I mean, I I didn't invoke Star Wars kind of um, like flippantly. It pretty well just describes the kind of you you gussy up these military industrial complex projects. And Leo, honestly, this is the hawkish part of his personality. He is a combat veteran. Right. Um, You know, the president remarks about his age and frankly, he embodies the age of that like his age in terms of a foreign policy perspective and his um his preference for honestly like the military right the capital m military
0: right he's under he's operating under not just a cold war mentality but almost you know like a, a world war Two mentality of just viewing the entire rest of the world as enemies that are ready to nuke us at a moment's notice uh
1: <laughs> and he 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 takes care to invoke kind of the, uh, the stereotypes and the almost the tropes, if you will, sorry, <laughs> um, <laughs> of, of like safety and right. uh, a peaceful world. Right. When he's talking so about So much pet Yeah. Yeah. And really, I mean, again, this is kind of what the SDI and star Wars turned out to be in the 1980s and what we've had, God knows how many other, Big old expensive Mm. military boondoggles since. Right, and this is Um, sort of a
0: guns-not-butter economic policy as well, where, like, they're deliberately... Because at one point, um, they mentioned the cost of the thing being $60 billion, and Leo says, Hey, I'd be more than happy to see that go to, like, troops' bonuses, or salaries, or, or more recruitment, and uh, and Toby's like, no, we should buy more tanks and helicopters with it, <laughs> which
1: yeah. uh, the
0: Toby heel turn is also going to be a running subplot throughout <laughs> this episode, as Toby just has a uh, record-shattering opinion after opinion after opinion that are all bad and wrong.
1: Yeah, and so the actually, what sort of the the confluence of this particular issue with leo's preference for the the missile defense system actually leads us into the appointment of our favorite ambassador because surprise surprise yeah he's back
0: it's lord <laughs> he's back it's lord british colonial imperialism Habsburg, royal motherfucker guillotine target <laughs> lord john marbury
1: dun, 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 dun. Yay! he has our he favorite has lecherous drunk <laughs> We yeah. love
0: him, don't we, folks? <laughs> like, that's no. the vibe the show is giving off, by the way. I'm not being sarcastic. Like, he's, yes. it's, he's, he's Donna, and both CJ and Donna fucking fawn over him as like, oh, but he's so charming.
1: Well, and frankly, I pulled this clip. This is a nice example of exactly how charming the motherfucker is. An hour, did he say? Yes. I'll need some amusement.
0: Good evening, your lordship.
1: Excellent. And this is in reaction to, and you hear her in the clip. It's like Donna walks into the room. He's like, "Oh, mom!" <laughs> like, just, just
0: like, just give him the Tex Avery like jaw drop like, and tongue yeah, flop like, out. Like.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like he's making wolf whistles in his in his brain here. Politics it's, is
0: good again. A woo! Wolf out. It's,
1: it's ridiculous, and it's like it's explicit that they are now playing him as such, whereas in his prior appearances like they played up the accent right and like they played him off of leo as sort of a foil right to leo's relationship with the president specifically. but he was still serious exactly and this time around it is very much a like a cartoonish yeah, he
0: is just a thing. comedy character like flat out like he was he was used to be a serious guy who had comedic elements to him now he is a comedy character yeah, who occasionally and- says something serious and good uh, which he'll sure. finally do at the end of the episode, but we're not there yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of, he's in and out a couple times. Right. So he's of... there
0: to be appointed Ambassador Britain, by the way. We, we failed, failed to mention that, uh, which is why he's there. And then, you know, which gives him an opportunity to bounce off Leo on this missile defense system because they ask him about it. Uh, first, Leo asks him about it privately, and then the president asks him about it in front of Leo uh, and both times, Marbury is the one with the correct take, where he says it's a it's not only a giant military boondoggle that doesn't work, it's also immoral, it's also unethical, uh, and we are members of a treaty that has explicitly banned this sort of thing, yeah. so it's illegal.
1: Yeah, he's like, well, these these are the reasons, uh, and he's right. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll let you like make your decision, but here's the thing: it's. Wrong on multiple fronts, right? And it doesn't work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's always the that's always the cherry on top of the sundae. Here is that the fucking thing doesn't even work.
1: And Uh, and I think it's it's weird that they they utilize this as a as like a Leo driver. Like we get it. mm -hmm. Leo is he's the war guy, the veteran. Yeah, yeah, and I think they've they had taken enough care to establish that aspect of his personality in the past. Because it seems like this is an extremely kind of like uh, like Toby's heel turn in this episode. Leo almost turns a bit to just be like, "This is a passion project clearly for me." Where yes. we're usually, usually he's the one who's reigning in the uh, the, the passion the of wildly the wildly idealistic mm-hmm. uh, you know staffers or even the president.
0: Right, a good observation. Yeah, uh, mm. aside from let Bartlett be Bartlett, where he's actually the one encouraging the passion, which is the one exception. Uh, He is normally the one pulling back the passion of people and telling them to calm it down and to take a more pragmatic approach. But yes, you're right. It's clear that they're they're making this sort of an emotional issue for him where he's like emotionally invested in this particular missile program working.
1: And I think there's enough. I mean, it's not overwrought. There's enough suggestion that... There's enough suggestion that he's like, this is the this is something I'm subject matter expert in, and so I would, you know, prefer to be taken seriously, which is fine. It's just it we'll never hear about it again, I don't think. He's just wildly so,
0: optimistic, is what it feels like. Yeah. He's just he's like it feels like he has faith that he knows it's gonna work, and despite all the evidence constantly proving otherwise.
1: <laughs> and I believe, in fact, at one point he literally says because i have confidence right and it's like yeah "Mm,
0: and he says "Mm." because all things that that work now once started out in a phase where they didn't work and like okay sure that's technically true leo but it still doesn't make this thing suddenly work all of a sudden
1: and and we're going to invest your character traits into like pushing this clearly as the episode itself lays out disaster of a program right okay i mean all right that's great you know 700 700 billion
0: towards the military every year it's fine (laughs) normal country you know
1: yeah absolutely 60 billion definitely couldn't pay for a year of college for everybody (laughs) right like like, immediately yeah
0: (laughs) jesus christ
1: so that's the first big political uh issue that comes through let's take a break before we really dig in on ooh the other more uh exciting political issue that comes up next yes so before we begin this segment, I have a brief disclaimer on behalf of Leonard J. Krabs. Yes. Something Awful's attorney at law and house counsel for the Worst Wing podcast.
0: Yes, we have, uh, we have gotten his expert legal opinion, and we will have him read it off to you right now. The views expressed in the following segments do not reflect the actual beliefs or policy positions of your hosts. As a strictly satirical piece of what can at best dubiously be referred to as art, the Worst Wing podcast neither condones nor endorses the use of violence for political ends.
1: Thank you. Um, with that said, let's explicitly endorse the concept of eco-terrorism, Dave. <laughs> 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 Woo! Eco-terrorism rules. Hack the fuck, planet. Fuck yeah. So. I know that many of you have probably not actually watched this episode, but the other political issue that wends itself through this episode is the president giving a speech to a, I think it's a stand in for the NRO, NRO, I should know this. It's
0: it's just uh, meant to be an environmental group. Generic environmental group. Yeah. I think they're pretty explicit about not trying to make it any one specific one
1: excuse me I, I said nro i meant nrdc they're both very different things so, but it's i think it's a stand-in specifically for the nrdc because they mentioned the sierra club by name which is another big one they do um, do that yes so anyway uh, the president is to give a speech and the title of the episode makes reference to the concept of them amending the speech in like live Like, live, basically. Yeah,
0: not putting it in the prepared remarks or the early copy that the press gets, but explicitly making, like, an ad-lib in the moment, um, just to the people in the room, basically. uh, Admonishing them for not calling out this, quote-unquote, act of eco-terrorism, which, by the way, is that uh, some eco-terrorists burned down a ski lodge that was under construction uh no one was killed that that we hear about it was just property damage uh in protest of the uh them destroying the local environment uh which they mock by bringing up the fact that uh it was about an endangered lynx species l y n x uh and they have a lot of fun mocking that name of that endangered
1: animal which and also is ridiculous like these these fucking people like this this really was a bizarre thing to choose to riff on frankly yes. on behalf of the writers because who doesn't fucking know what a lynx is yes like or i guess like who came up through the american aren't, public aren't and these or supposed private? to be
0: smart engaged like, politically yeah. minded viewers watching this show who probably should know what a lynx is you know because they're college educated and whatnot
1: and it, it's it's just like Okay, we're gonna really we're gonna drill in on the links confusion. Like, like that's the only if-
0: thing they have to mock the the clearly morally correct position of the eco terrorists. As looking at this episode from a 2019 hell world that is currently on fire in many places would tell you that yes, the eco groups were right the entire time.
1: Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right, and that's what comes through is that it's like it, it almost it seems so obvious that they just don't have a case to make yes. so the the framing of this is actually it's it's combined with sam spends time working with a team of interns and really like pouring his heart and soul into this speech right and then he's super he hyped is, about
0: it yeah uh, he's hyped i actually he's th- got all these what's arguments funny is, what's funny is he starts off kind of making a both sides argument about climate change and i started to write in my notes like oh my god they're both sides in climate change <laughs> sam is gonna both sides but then he he turns it around and goes all of that that's out the window we have to fucking focus on climate change and i'm like oh oh thank god okay sam is sam is redeemed everyone it's okay
1: <laughs> there's also just for for those of you who may or may not be watching the show this may not be relevant too but if you've watched enough of the west wing there's a point where sam is interacting with his interns <laughs> the second time he walks into the room and one of them sasses him about his process basically and says like oh well you know it's like the 12th like draft, you're being you're only, being too nerdy about it you're yeah being too it's, it's obsessive only, about it it's only the final one until you say you say so sam and he says right. ah, are you sassing me and there's a beat and you can watch Roblo go like <gasps> here it comes And the camera goes from behind the intern's head and it starts spinning around. (laughs) Michael Bay would be proud. And it's so fucking Sorkin because Sam is going on a, you know, it's a soliloquy about speech writing. Yes, yeah. Yeah, this is Sorkin just
0: sucking his own dick through Sam. Like,
1: (laughs) come on. It was pretty incredible. Was that That Sass? Yeah.
0: Okay. The difference between a good speech and a great speech is the energy with which the audience comes to their feet at the end. Is it polite? Is it a chore? Are they standing up because their boss just stood up? No. They want it to come from their socks. They've got half an hour. Let's read this again.
1: But anyway, <laughs> um, the the net result of this is that the president does the quote unquote drop in, um, calls out the environmental lobby and it fuck it fucks them up. Like, right. they, get, yeah. they get pissed off, because of course yeah.
0: they do. It, it was going to be, like, it's a 40-minute-long speech about a, a big climate change positive thing that they're passing. It was supposed to get wild applause, standing ovation, etc., but this one little drop-in that he does where he admonishes them for not calling out the eco-terrorists completely kills the reaction, uh, because of course it does, because they're now they're insulted instead of happy. Uh, and Sam takes it very personally, because he had really written this, like, humdinger walloper of a, of a speech and the president's decision to do this drop in completely sucked all the air out of it.
1: Yeah. And it's also the fact that like the thing that Sam is upset about is that CJ and, and Toby collaborated behind his back yes, to orchestrate and, and the drop in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there is, and this is the, the, the confluence of Sam's face turn on this stuff, because all of a sudden we see Sam being a impassioned sort of on the left side of the spectrum right. of this issue. Yeah. It, it, Coalesces with Toby's heel turn where completely out of nowhere we get um, this sort of shit which I'll play a clip right here. Well, then they can grow up, Sam. Use this insult. They just got the energy package they wanted. They just got the president at their dinner and they should shut up.
0: Well, you should explain it to them just that way, Toby. Because they're really pretty receptive to that argument. When I look down the ballot and see the alternatives, they get receptive in a hurry. Was there anything else or can I sit here now?
1: About like S- Toby is just being like they won't vote for the other guy, like, right? They're, he's literally you know 2016 DNCing yes. this shit,
0: and he's supposed to be like the lefty one,
1: well the principled we're, one.
0: Yeah, we're we're throwing that definition out the fucking window. This is this is officially Toby is like a neocon now. Like he just he admits that he like wants to spank the left. Like he says those words explicitly. Now you want the discussion. You and the president may think they deserved it, but the cynicism of attacking your friends for political protection offends them, and it offends me. It offends you, and there's really nothing I can do to make you feel better about that.
1: He, and and they don't resolve this fight, which frankly I think is good. The, the conflict between Sam and Toby lands, and then festers which i think right. is actually in in service of the it's in the show's which, credit which is
0: apropos that. because it's been building to this split between the centrists and leftists in the democratic party that like ultimately the 2020 primary is gonna fucking have that fight out writ large over the course of months you know
1: yeah and this is it's just so bizarre because we also get the toby like spend the money on tanks and helicopters instead of yeah he's just real defense. bad this episode like, yo like and i mean even you we, we didn't say it earlier but even josh gets a jab in on toby where just kind of out of the blue they're talking about the missile defense thing he's like i don't know why wouldn't we just give the 60 billion dollars to north korea right to not nuke us to not nuke us <laughs> which by the way is a great idea
0: wow like, like why not could we could we could improve. up for it we could up foreign aid, and that would probably greatly reduce the threat that foreign nations, you know, quote-unquote, you know, the the threat that they, that they are to us, you know?
1: Yeah, it's almost like we could put our fabulous, depthless wealth right. to, to serving the global community right. instead of figuring out ways to either blow it up or prevent us from being blown up by it.
0: Right, or crushing communism or socialism <laughs> wherever it might fester you know and possibly spread
1: and so uh. I think like and to circle back to the environmentalist argument um, this is something again my my graduate degree is in public health at the intersection of um, industrial scale farming with um, basically environmental protection and uh, more obtusely carbon cycling but credential what, check <laughs> yeah. What what ends up coming through, and what is I hope just unbelievably apparent here in 2019, is that everyone is now an environmentalist. Everyone, Mm -hmm. everyone must. You have to be, yeah. (laughs) An environmentalist. There's, There's
0: nowhere to run. We only got the one planet now.
1: And I think the the concept itself and the way the term is wielded from a propaganda level is is fundamentally flawed because. Back in the day, before the realization of, specifically, carbon dioxide externalities in energy extraction, Mm -hmm. the environmentalist label was reserved for people who are interested in protecting from, frankly, the class of pollutants and threats to the environment that operated outside of, specifically, carbon dioxide. Right. It took, you know it was more
0: cfc's or like
1: oil like spills right in the use of oil right
0: right the the focus was hadn't been truly narrowed yet uh it was kind of all over the place but their heart was always in the right place you know they were against industry they were against logging they were against pollution you know, the, the the heart of the environmental movement was always in the right place. The focus just hadn't yet been truly defined.
1: And I think there's like, and this is going to be sort of um, a little theoretical for our usual takes on things. This is actually a really fascinating intersection of Marxist theory with uh, like ecological theory, because mm-hmm. when you abstract values from commodities into capital. So like a dollar represents whatever the use value of a certain good is. What's really neat is that capital, goods, labor, all of these values are technically abstractions of energy. Right. And so you run with that theory for a while, and it becomes immediately apparent why markets are completely unequipped to deal with the modern threats of climate change. Right. Um, because you, all
0: they can do is create energy for the cheapest amount. That's all, that's all markets are good at doing. They, they can't handle externalities of what creating that energy means for the environment.
1: Yeah. And it's been, it's been ignored for so long that there was never any formulation of an alternative definition, because frankly, frankly, there there are limits to the capacity to create an alternative definition because if you're not getting that energy if you're not energetically subsidizing things by burning fossil fuels, the human human industry, human endeavor in its modern form grinds to a halt. Right. We've only been able to do these things because we've been subsidizing our energy consumption through fossil fuels. So absolutely. It's it's just really cool to uh, really i say really cool it's it's fucking terrifying right that it's it's taken us this long to have a groundswell behind the idea that there we need to start sourcing those calories yes from a different place from it is a, no from longer a healthy renewable non-carbon yeah.
0: non-carbon it, extruding
1: place yes. yes it's it's no longer sufficient to care about the environment and again this actually goes into bioregionalism and some other stuff but like it's no longer sufficient to care about pollutants it's the the fundamental if fact have of have a human bigger existence here yeah is is a pollutant when you yeah. expand the definition so yeah anyway it's really really super depressing that they were fucking yeah we're not going to get this. into climate
0: despair here too much <laughs> they were fired um,
1: but, up about this in 19 i guess it's 2000 right, now it's, when they're filling you know, this and that we're statistic having the same...
0: of like if we had cut emissions by two percent for the last 20 years we would be fucking fine now or whatever it is, I, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but if we had been dealing with this 20 years ago with the seriousness that we should have realized at the time and ha- have in fact realized for like over 100 years now that we've been doing this, uh, we would have it all would have been a much less bigger issue than it currently is.
1: And all that said, the kind of the flip side of that despair is that now the battle lines are drawn yes. indelibly. You, yes you are either you're with us or against us at this right point. you're either rolling is,
0: coal or you're you <laughs> understand the problem
1: and and frankly there are a lot of you know again we as as a socialist i don't tend to take to subtleties because it goes down the neoliberal rabbit hole of numbers fuck dining things but oh, climate speak, change speaking of yeah Sorry, it's, I have, to, no, go, like, go I have to bring
0: in that their their big idea, their big climate push. Which, by the way, the thing that Sam is so fired up about is the <laughs> idea of of a of, uh, carbon tax on companies uh, and letting them trade their credits if they come in under the the amount that they, the arbitrary amount that they're gonna set. Uh, and it's just the most. No, speaking of numbers, fuckstein, like this is the <laughs> most numbers fucking fuckstein solution to climate change possible.
1: Yep, and in this uh, just to to close the thought out, there is no ambiguity, subtlety or fiddling at the margins of climate change. No. There are a whole lot of things that you could say make a a cogent argument that are are can be nuanced fucked within the margins for sure. certain issues. This is this is the least one of those. It is Absolutely. This and, is the big know.
0: one. We have yep. to stop putting carbon into the atmosphere. Insert awesome. claps in between all <laughs> yeah. of those words to make it a clapback. Uh yeah, like the, that's the big one folks, you know. We ha- we got a we got a green new deal, we got to become a zero emissions country in however many years we can possibly do it, you know. That that's the ball game. Uh, at the end of the day. And well, thankfully but... it is it's doable. It is possible. <laughs> uh you know we you know, don't despair too much. we we can pull back from from the worst of it, from the worst of the brink. you know, we're shit's gonna be bad, but we can make it much less bad if we really get to work on it
1: but but Dave, I mean, I'm not despairing. I heard that Robert Francis O'Rourke just announced oh, a five trillion dollar investment in climate change technology
0: oh my god we'll talk about that more <laughs> when we get into our our little bit of of election coverage that we'll okay do at so the let's, end of the episode.
1: let's let's close out this segment because we've been talking way too yeah, long already yeah. but there's a couple other little things that we want to talk about before we transition out of the episode yeah analysis. i do want
0: to bring up the comedian thing real quick uh while we're still in this segment here uh so one Thing that we haven't talked about at all is CJ, CJ at one point she has to fly off to New York City uh, to attend a women in media uh, luncheon where she is receiving an award, which Toby also gets to be sexist in this episode uh, and dismiss uh. her achievement uh, where he's like, oh, you're winning an award? For what? For what, Toby? She's the fucking <laughs> White House press, press secretary. secretary
1: you asshole you
0: ass <laughs> Jesus Christ, Sorkin like, you know, th- this is all stuff that the writers have written for Toby. You know, we're talking about a fictional character here, obviously. Like, so we're really attacking the writers and by that I mean Sorkin who signs off on all of this. You know, this is his his project ultimately. We're still in seasons 1 to 4. He he signed off on all of this, folks. Um <sighs> so, but uh so while she is in New York, she has a chance to meet with a young uh black comedian who is fictional, but is clearly meant to be sort of a stand-in for, like, a Chris Rock or a Dave Chappelle or whatever kind of young black comedian was hot at the time of 2000, uh, who talked about sort of young black issues in a funny, comedic way. And so there's a little bit of controversy where he played an event where, when Bartlett was still a candidate, uh, where he made some sort of joke related to the fact that, like, police brutality was on the rise against young black men. Uh, and it was a very funny and clever kind of takedown of police brutality. And Bartlett laughed at it, and that caused a minor scandal. Uh, and so CJ is there to uninvite him from some sort of future some event. event. Yeah. yeah, some sort of future event where he uh, is expected to be there and, and speak. And this really offends this comedian guy in a big way, understandably so, uh, because Bartlett did laugh at the joke and it was a good joke. And that's basically his defense of like, look, I'm a professional comedian. I know when people laugh Uh, to hear you come out and deny that Bartlett laughed at the joke just to avoid a minor PR disaster uh, really fucked me up, CJ.
1: Yeah. And like, he's, he's saying I'm, I was a booster. yeah i was a big fan and and to to invoke that for a comedian that's that's his stock in trade that is the currency that he reaps you're calling him
0: bad at his job
1: yeah you know
0: yeah and like that's like that's the biggest insult you can give a comedian is to say like no the president did not find him funny like
1: like that's that's fucked up you know (laughs) like that's They spend a little while hashing it out, and he made—I mean—he makes all the great points where it's just like, you guys, like you press released the shit out of this, yeah. and you called me like unfunded, like this is fucked up. So basically, like don't, like I won't do the event, and I'll—I'll I'll make up an excuse to not do it. But this sucks ass, and right. the what's left unsaid, they don't really come around to it. Is basically, it's just like, don't come to me. If you the need next, my yeah for the next election
0: yeah, yeah exactly like you think I'm gonna give a shit the next time Bartlett runs like you can fuck off right out sh- of town
1: yeah <laughs> great thanks for burning me and so yeah look like it's weird it's a weird heel turn for CJ too because even though sort of it sort feels of like
0: she, she doesn't you know she is clearly sympathetic the whole time and she's talking him up as being very funny but she is the one who has to be like the bearer of bad news I don't think yeah. she she personally wants him to not attend. I think she, uh, she, she, she takes just kind of has bit. to, she has to take the heat for the administration. Yes.
1: And, and she also, I mean, in, it's totally natural that I think she acts it out well or two, where it's like, she, she gets, she takes it personally when he pushes back. Right. So, okay, fine. Like human nature a little bit. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but they spend quite a bit of time basically saying like, Hey, this guy, like you really fucked it up with this guy. So, right.
0: Yeah, she has to eat crow by the end. You know, the show definitely paints her as being the the one in the wrong here. Um, And that that the the black comedian is totally in the right. And he gets, like, kind of the big moving speech moment. uh, Which is, you know, of course, as we've said, the show's way of acknowledging who is truly correct.
1: (laughs) Yes, gets the big speech.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, let's take a break real quick. And that mostly wraps up the content of the episode. And then we'll do a little bit of coverage, just a little bit. About the current state of the 2020 primary here at the end of April 2019. <laughs> All right, and we're back for your 2020 due 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 election update. Uh, so now we have officially Joe Biden has thrown his hat into the ring. Congratulations, creepy sleepy Uncle Joe.
1: Uh,
0: you've had your best and you've had your best day, which was your first day. And it's all downhill from here. <laughs> uh, the uh, the knives are coming out for old Joe, everyone. Uh, so you can relax. Yes, he did get a bit of a polling bump. We all know he would. Yeah, everyone got an announcement bump. Bernie got one. Kamala got one. Butt got one. Beto got one. You know, they all they all get an announcement bump. It all fades in time. He is the front runner currently, effectively. Uh, but you have a bunch of other candidates who do not want that status quo to remain the same. Uh, and they are all very motivated to taking down Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren, uh, in particular, hates Joe Biden uh, and, <laughs>
1: they've been on and has for sides decades. Of, uh, obviously of finance stuff for decades.
0: Yeah, she, she, he fought her on bankruptcy reform uh, like back in like the 90s or something like that. and uh, she has carried that grudge. So, I fully expect Warren to be the uh, Christie to, uh, to Biden's Rubio, to borrow a 2016 uh, metaphor for you. Hell yeah. Uh, and to totally elbow drop him at one of these fucking debates. Uh, we're about two months out from the first debates, uh, which are going to be the real clown car clusterfuck ones with like 10 people on each stage before anyone's dropped out. So, I'm looking forward to that. That's just going to be fun. It's live television, folks. Anything can happen. Uh, Joe Biden might let a N word slip if, uh, (laughs) Kamala attacks him, who knows, you know, it's, it's politics, baby. It's back.
1: So, uh, sort of as an adjunct to this, I would just like to suggest that everyone go out and I'll put a link in the show notes. If you haven't heard it, um, my comrade Adi Barkin testified at the Medicare for all hearing at Mm. the house today and for yeah, those of powerful you, stuff. for those of you who don't know about Adi, he was um, diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. It's like the the Stephen Hawking uh, degenerative mm-hmm. neural condition. Um, two years ago, three years ago, thereabouts, and has mm-hmm. been slowly dying ever since because that's what ALS does to you. And mm-hmm. he's been just crusading for Medicare for all, for the mm-hmm. truly socialized medicine to come up in this country. And his testimony was, I think today was the first time I have heard him require the use of a text-to-speech computer, um, which is really shocking and powerful in person to hear the words that he uses and the way that he speaks, but just through the flat affect of him in his wheelchair with the speech computer there, although he's still emoting throughout the whole thing. It was really, mm-hmm. truly powerful. So go check that out. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, the defining, yeah. of, frankly, gonna be yeah. the defining issue of frankly, it's going to be the defining issue this and, gener- um, of this election.
0: And speaking of Biden, since this is sort of his week, uh, he has come out saying he's in favor of just a public option. We don't need to go as far as Medicare for all. <sighs> so uh, we'll see how well that plays out, Joe. Uh, so everyone who's worried that Joe Biden's going to suddenly become uh, a great campaigner and totally run away with this thing, uh, we'll go just go look at the last times he's campaigned for president. That's all I have to say, ultimately, about Joe Biden.
1: Usually I'll invoke, um, and actually he kind of wrote a pretty fucking sycophantic book recently, but a guy, there's a political writer named George Packer who wrote a book, I think it was in 2013, um, called The Unwinding, which was at the time sort of a, a pretty pointed, but eventually not particularly fruitful analysis of like, the social decay as like as tied to economic decay in this country sure. through a series of sure. five five vignettes of five different people around the country and one of them was a former Joe Biden staffer and mm-hmm. the way that Joe Biden treated this person is truly just monstrous so if you Ugh. want good Biden dirt George Packer's book the unwinding has it, it paints just a fucking bleak picture of a sociopathic robot.
0: Yeah, and there's a million and one different oppo pieces on Joe Biden, you know, there's and they're all going to come out, folks. Like, (laughs) here's the thing, 2016 has kind of given everyone a false expectation of what a primary is like where they think it's a coronation primaries are not coronations normally they're fucking dog fights okay obama hillary was a fucking dog fight you know i remember dean Dean and And john edwards edwards and all that was a fucking dog fight okay like that's what primaries are you know we're gonna have multiple debates we have multiple months to go it is just now the end of april of 2019 like, folks, this is going to get fucking vicious. And I, for one, am here for it. <laughs> uh. So, uh, very excited. Uh, I think that basically wraps up our, our primary coverage. Uh, Bernie Owens, of course, he's doing great. Uh, keep giving him your energy. Uh, I, my personally, I went to the volunteer kickoff event. Oh, yeah, how'd that uh, go? It was, it, it was great. Cool. Uh, let me give a little trip report real quick. Um, basically, they streamed a, vi- a, vi- a very nice video package that they had pre-prepared with, uh, with the head of the campaign, uh, Faze, mm-hmm. or Faze, um, uh, speaking, uh, and then Bernie spoke. Uh, and it wasn't his usual stump speech, it was much more about like his plan to how to win the election. Uh, it was really good. Huh, um, it's cool. in the Bernie thread, the video itself, or you can just find it on YouTube if you look for like Bernie kickoff event video. Um, and then Nina Turner came on after Bernie. And she fucking killed it. Like she was, <laughs> she was just speaking from the heart, full of like fire and fury and 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 brimstone and like all that good shit. Um, the the crowd I was with, which was mostly a bunch of older Floridians, uh, was eating it up. Nice. Uh, they loved it. <laughs> so. Uh, like, she's got a message that really resonates, even with, you know, old white people who you think would, you know, be freaked out by a passionate black woman. Yes. Uh, no. They love her. (laughs) Uh, Everyone loves her. She absolutely should be VP- um, and I really hope he picks that because that's the ultimate insurance for the CIA never killing him, you know, uh, if, if Nina Turner's the VP, <laughs> yes. right?
1: Just a hard left turn into this conspiracy theory. Just like, oh shit.
0: Here. Oh shit. <laughs> we can't fucking kill him now. Look who's going to take over. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, uh, so <laughs> that that wraps up my pers- personal story I'm excited to be volunteering with the Bernie campaign I'll give you a little bit of trip reports here and f- from here on out uh nothing too much obviously because I don't want to get into en.txt here uh, about my own personal life but uh yeah very exciting I'm excited to be this is my first time volunteering with any particular campaign um, I'm sad that I didn't volunteer for 2016 bernie but at the time i was just kind of like eh, you know i like bernie but i don't think he can really win uh, this time He,
1: yeah everyone's sad about things in 2016 that they could have would have yeah
0: yeah but this time he absolutely can, not only can he win he will, he will win, win folks and and we're gonna help him do it so donate to bernie volunteer for bernie shitpost post for bernie uh, give bernie your energy uh, vote for daddy bernie bitch when the time comes fight
1: your family uh, fight your friends fight people on absolutely. the street absolutely
0: oh um oh get on the burn app oh, go yeah. to app.berniesanders.com uh, and you can start entering all of your friends who are super pro Bernie or family members, um, and that will give the Bernie campaign that data so they can know where to focus their resources better. Which, which, um, let's let's it,
1: be clear, it's it's not a violation of privacy. It's not anything no. creepy. You fucking <laughs> yeah. you fucking fools so on extremely.
0: Some of the extremely online Twitter crowd thinks it's a doxing tool or something retarded like that. What? The uh, it's fuck? not. Like, <laughs> it's not. It's 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 the exact same shit that Obama used, that Hillary it's, used. It's literally they're OFA
1: in app form. They're just like, democratizing yeah.
0: it to to all of the campaign volunteers, which is great. Uh, and this is a, like a very powerful tool that I think is going to. Make for a, a very well-run campaign, not an algorithm-based Robbie Mook bullshit campaign, but an actual ground-up, you know, bottom-up, uh, data-driven campaign from the ground level, uh, and not from making dumb decisions because an algorithm told you to.
1: Yep, it's exciting.
0: So yeah, so yeah. Sorry, uh, that went a little long, <laughs> but uh, all, all good stuff. Uh, but that definitely wraps up this particular episode of the Worst Wing. Uh, thank you, as always, for joining us. You can drop a comment in the thread. We always love to get listener feedback. Uh, you, can, If you would like to join us on a particular episode, that offer is always standing open for anyone who has a particular episode that they want to come in and guest star on. Feel free. It's real easy. Um,
1: like It's not yeah, hard.
0: We're, we don't bite <laughs> yeah. uh, much. Um, so the next episode is going to be uh, Bartlett's Third State of the Union is the title Uh, and the subject matter should be obvious it is going to be all about Bartlett's third state of the union
1: a a West Wing show about a speech no (laughs) not not in my West Wing Uh. oh
0: boy so uh, a lot more of uh Sorkin jerking himself off through the characters that are the writers hooray uh that'll be fun and I'm looking forward to it and we will see you all uh next week for that
1: all right thanks for listening bye-bye bye bye money you ask for but don't ask me to come
0: on alive
1: so love me
0: love me love me I'm a liberal